Welcome to the Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We are on the third episode of the series of episodes on future growth markets. Will it still be BRICS or is it going to be TIMS, MINT or Next11, also called N11 or the frontier markets? In earlier episodes, we discussed about the various possibilities and about BRICS, TIMS and MINT. In today's show, uh, we'll talk about the next 11 or N11 countries. The N11 countries are Bangladesh, Egypt, Indonesia, Iran, Mexico, Nigeria, Pakistan, the Philippines, Turkey, South Korea, and Vietnam. Today I have with me Dr. Sally to talk about N11 countries. Dr. Sally is Strategy and International Business Professor at C.T. Bar College of Business at University of Houston. He has an engineering and entrepreneurial background, and he possesses unique practitioner and academic experience in North America and Asia. His other experiences include Strategy and International Business Professor at University of Hong Kong, International Business Professor at Loyola University, New Orleans. He specializes in competitive strategy, corporate strategy, strategic planning, and execution, international strategy, and emerging markets. He's also an expert on new business, a new product, and go-to-market strategies. He's also uh, involved in research, surveys, and data design collection, analytics, statistical modeling, business, and financial models, and planning. Welcome, Dr. Sally. Uh, thank you, Mahesh. Dr. Sally. Goldman Sachs identified the next 11 or the N11 countries in the year 2005 and they identified them as the next in line to become economic powerhouses. The main criteria used to identify these countries was the stability of the country's politics and fiscal and monetary policy. The other factors were the amount of trade barriers each country imposed and the quality of education in each country. And 11 countries passed these tests in varying degree with, with different uh, outcomes and different scores. The debate is on now whether these 11 countries could one day become as influential as the BRICS, particularly in the investment sector and also at the same time acquire a significant say in the worldwide GDP. With their size and differences in these countries, it is not that easy to envisage the N11 countries cooperating as closely together as what the BRICS are currently doing. Uh, Dr. Sally, what do you think, in your opinion, are the main growth factors we should look at when we are evaluating the N11 countries? Sure, thank you. Um, you know, I, I'd say they're pretty similar to to evaluating any country in general. So things like, you know, the macroeconomic stability, uh, such as, you know, uh, government deficit, uh, external debt, balance of payments, uh, inflation would be definitely some of the factors to look at. Um, others would be, you know, how open is the country uh, in terms of, the investment conditions, uh, current investment rates, or how are investors viewing the, the country favorably or not. Uh, tied to that would be uh, the political conditions, which again impact both investment and macro uh, uh, 
stability such as political stability uh, rule of law uh, things like governance uh, mm -hmm. regulations uh, corruption legal uh, uh, conditions in the country so how conducive is the country for investment and how stable is it as a destination I say to cover these uh, two or three factors uh, then looking internally at you know how the country has developed in terms of state of development some of the long-term growth factors definitely would be the human capital uh, such as education uh, quality of uh, institutions uh, life expectancy um, you know how young is the population for example mm -hmm. uh, in terms of skills and ability to work over an extended period of time uh, and finally I'd say you know infrastructure uh, and technological capabilities these days so whether it's roads highways ports or now the digital infrastructure that we talk about in terms of the internet um, mobile phones uh, mobile technology uh, and of course uh, computers in some of the countries that are still yet to embrace uh, uh, you know other forms of communication so I'd say those would be some of the factors that we would consider and, and that's very important, including the last one that you said, which is uh, a part of our digital age, that how technologically a country is savvy and how many PCs, phones, internet, and all that kind of stuff. So that gives a good picture of what one should be looking for. Now, Dr. Sally, I want to go back to uh, the originator of the fund. Uh, Mr. Jim O'Neill, and what does he say? Uh, you know, we, what you summarize is, is wonderful. That's how you do a country analysis and, and whether they will grow or not, what's happening. But Jim O'Neill, chairman of Goldman Sachs Asset Management Group, who coined the acronyms BRIC, uh, BRICS as well as N11, uh, what he has looked at it and what he talks about the common factors, the common factor for N11 is large, young, growing population. Right, and eleven has almost nineteen percent of the world population, and what he sees as an attraction is the diversity. You know, it's not the kind of gender diversity; it is the diversity in the countries which are part of N eleven. So, if you look at on one end, the, the, it's Korea and Mexico, which you can call our developed type of countries, and on the other end, we will see Bangladesh and Pakistan. So, that's the kind of diversity. And uh, if you look at it, you may see uh, you can see that there is hardly any correlation between these two extremes. But that could be the key factor for investment in 11 basket of countries. If you're looking at, uh, I would say, in terms of financial investment, because the risk has been diversified from one type of country on, on the one end, and the other side has very different characteristics. And all of them cannot go down at the same time. And um, the one other important point which gets noticed here is most of these countries were not that much impacted by the global financial crisis years ago. And uh, also if you look at what's happening in the traditional emerging markets, they are the markets which are fueling the growth in global GDP. Uh, if you look at the numbers, 8 out of the 10 national countries changing the global GDP in this decade are from emerging markets, the so-called the traditional emerging markets. And um, about the equity markets, as we talked earlier, uh, they are poised for growth and importance because there's an opportunity. 
they are at that level of growth. If the governance, regulation, and the leadership commitment remains, they will definitely grow. Uh, also, there is another fact which can be looked at that global economy is being shaped pretty heavily uh, by 15 countries. Four of them are BRICS and the next 11 and 11. So they are going to shape the global economy in future the way they are positioned today. And that's where the multinational companies of the world are targeting. That's where they can get growth because otherwise they are in saturated, already uh, grown-up markets. Now, the other growth factors, if you look at it, what's going to happen there? If there's an economic growth, the consumer spending will go up. And it, it will be driven by the consumption pattern of growing middle class. It looks like there is another repeat of a story expected. China, the poor, moved into middle class and the consumption went up. That was one of the factors, not the only factor. And that can happen in, in these countries. There is a huge opportunity. And uh, there is an opportunity for urbanization, which will trigger the growth of white goods and which will trigger the growth of automotive industry. And plus, as they move forward, it will also trigger some uh, growth in the economy through luxury segment. Now, uh, what what is in it for the people who invest in equity markets? If they are investing in small countries, in, in one of the N11 countries, it may be risky. So you can hedge your risk by investing in a portfolio which has multiple of these countries with a little bit of different characteristics. And uh, another fact which I think Jim O'Neill has mentioned that 15 countries, BRICS plus the N11, will generate an additional of 10 to 20 trillion. It looks like a huge spread, even if you go to the lower number 10, trillion global consumption in the decade. That is an increase more than current level of consumption in the USA. That's a huge number in a decade that USA consumption could be in a year. Uh, what is the opportunity now? So let's say if I own a business, what can I do? So there's a huge opportunity to go for outsourcing. So there's an outsourcing opportunity for these countries. There's an opportunity for industrialization. And if you have to quickly look at what could be possible issues, we'll discuss in detail later on. Could be, looks like governance, regulation, the law. And yes, of course, there could be a language issue because there could be different languages in different countries. So having said that, what how Jim uh, O'Neill has pre presented the N11, what do you think, Dr. Sally? Uh, is the N11 have different composition of GDP? Can they come together like BRICS, what they did? Or uh, is it that they are just a diversified portfolio for investment in equity markets as a fund? Okay, um, thank you for the question. I think uh, even for the BRICS, you know, we, we did see uh, diversity. But I think the common ground there is most of them large populations uh, and sort of you know, unlike the extremes that we see here, they were at more similar stages of development. Uh, for sure, you know, there are differences between, let's say, China and, uh, you know, um, Brazil, for example. And China has really taken off. But still, uh, in terms of the range, we see much less of a range uh, in the BRICS than we see in these N11 countries. Uh, specifically, we have differences in even the types of industries. Mm -hmm. In these countries, they have much more diverse range of industries. Um, even the smaller countries, as we mentioned, Pakistan and uh, Bangladesh, uh, rely on 
you know, certain industries versus Mexico, which is, let's say, more on uh, uh, tourism, more on manufacturing, and they have a large domestic market as well. Uh, so we have a lot of difference there in the industries and the GDP. Um, the other thing to remember, really, the N11 is kind of a motley crew of countries, much more so than the BRICS. Um, differences in living standards, differences in income, education, law, all the things that we just kind of talked about. Uh, ranging from just on the economic front, you know, South Korea, which is a very high income country and was even classified as, I think, moving into the developed countries by GDP per capita more than 20,000 US dollars, uh, which is way above uh, even any of the BRICS right now. So that's one end of the spectrum, South Korea, long been considered one of the four Asian tigers, right? along with Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Singapore. That's true. It has been on the growth path for quite a bit now. Right, exactly. And basically due to you know, free trade and very strong electronics and telecommunications and even the auto sector. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have household names, you know, the Samsungs and the, yeah, the Kia Motors and the Hyundai, Kia, Hyundai yeah. all of them. Um, you know, moving to Mexico, uh, as the other, let's say, economy that is, you know, an advanced, let's say, large emerging market, not as much as South Korea, but certainly um, given its proximity to the U.S. and uh, part of NAFTA uh, for many years now, uh, it has benefited a lot, especially in agriculture, food and beverage exports, uh, tourism, and also uh, more recently investments in manufacturing uh, in the aerospace and auto sector. Perfect. Uh, Dr. Sully, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. We'll take a short break and we'll continue this interesting discussion after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Private equity firms have over $1 trillion to invest. They are the biggest funding source for growing companies. Why do they reject 98% of deals? How do you get the right deal for your company? Join Kevin Fechtmeyer and his partners on the Deal Team 6 to uncover the next winning deal and avoid the financial landmines. Deal Junkie, Cracking the Private Equity Code, is broadcast live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Uh, we have Dr. Sally with us today, and we are talking about uh, the future growth markets. Uh, is it BRICS, Tim, Mint, or N11? And our focus today is on N11. Dr. Sally, we talked about the different composition of GDP in our first section, and can N11 come together and probably do what BRICS did? And you, you explained on the one end of the spectrum is Korea and Mexico, we talked about it. Uh, let's talk about uh, the other countries in N11. Sure, thank you. Uh, and just continuing on that theme, uh, in addition to the economic differences, mm -hmm. we also see differences in you know foreign policy uh, and uh, let's say relationships with uh, other countries around the world. So case in point being, uh, let's let's talk about you know uh, uh, Iran, for example. That's a good case because Goldman Sachs put them in the end level, yeah, but in, they don't have any investment there because of sanctions. Right, as of now, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, if you look at Iran, there are lots of positives mm -hmm. uh, for the country. It has huge oil reserves, right, uh, and, and and a fabulous labor force. Uh, in fact, you know, when when Iranians work around the world, they're well known for engineering and technology skills. Uh, so that's a big plus for them. Uh, what has kind of stifled growth and probably not let Iran to reach the potential yet has been uh, somewhat of its authoritarian leadership uh, that has stifled economic growth with price controls and subsidies for many inefficient industries. Um, and it, the country has traditionally been close to a lot of the Western world, I'd say in terms of investment. Um, and that has led, as you pointed out, to sanctions, particularly right. on its oil exports, which is a significant part of the economy. So that's something we see in Iran, you know, uh, huge potential, but currently constrained. Uh, Turkey moving to a much more open economy, uh, sitting at the bridge between, you know, the East and the West. Uh, uh, so very well positioned, uh, hosted many international events, currently bidding for the 2020 European Football Championship, uh, has a secular democracy, NATO membership. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know it, it's kind of caused conflict with Iran <laughs> interestingly at some points uh, but you know much more open economy and exporting textiles and transport uh, materials uh, to Europe uh, however these countries you know have worked together there are pipeline projects in place between Turkey and Iran and another pipeline to connect Iran's gas fields to Turkey and then to the European markets yeah and these are very very important uh uh, economic events and if you're doing it connecting the countries actually the, the the Persian pipeline would be connecting all the way from Iran to Turkey further into the Europe getting segmented but the, the issue comes in here it, which is evident in some of the N11 countries specifically related to Iran is the threatening of Turkey uh, if uh, Israel or US acts against them uh, in, a, in a manner which they don't like you know, so those geopolitical pieces will always be part of the play there. Absolutely, which is why, you know, uh, as we pointed out, it's harder for these countries to kind of club together as a BRICS because we have uh, a lot of these differences also going on. Um, in addition, you know, the, uh, moving, you know, that's from the Middle East kind of to, mm -hmm. to the other side of the world where we've got countries like Indonesia and Philippines, uh, they've also had territorial disputes. Uh, in the Sulawesi Sea, 
uh, some religious differences and trade, but they managed to, I think, put these aside for now. Um, and there's signs of them, you know, trying to work together with others uh, for economic growth. So those those are positives. Um, I think just uh, to sum up, uh, you know, probably the big thing in common, though, mm -hmm. across all of these countries, they have really big populations. As we mentioned, you know, one of the reasons for the BRICS emerging, it's a natural consequence. You know, you have the population over time, you will develop. Uh, so that's the big plus. Um, they currently do not, however, see an immediate need to form a BRICS kind of union uh, to influence the global economy. And I think there are challenges, as mm -hmm. we have discussed. Uh, but you know, we could see variations of the N11 coming out. So maybe smaller groups emerging, such as you know the MIST, as you said, Mexico, Indonesia, South Korea, and Turkey, for example, uh, or CVET, uh, Colombia, Indonesia, Vietnam, Egypt, Turkey, um, and. Uh, you know, so so we might see new 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 kids on the block. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, coming up. <laughs> it looks like they can be successful in eleven, and then and, and you know the fund is already existing. From the growth perspective, there's something on the horizon which is moving beyond the BRICS. If you want to invest or you want to get into, uh, that's that's one opportunity. Now the key question here, Dr. Sally, is so let's say if, as a business, we have to make a selection. You know, I would make a selection out of the N11, where to invest. You know, one is equity fund, the other is where to participate in the growth story of a country or the growth story of N11. How, how would one do that? Yeah, I think from an investment perspective, you know, Goldman, as you pointed out, has, has you know, done a, uh, I, I'd say, a, you know, a, a defensible job of uh, creating this fund, right, which kind of goes across, uh, countries mm -hmm. uh, and it helps diversify the portfolio correct but you know if you look at it maybe from a business investment perspective not just a financial perspective mm -hmm. one could maybe for example think of grouping these countries uh, the n11 into three different kinds of groups and maybe an initial uh, grouping could be you know the ones that let's say would be a primary focus would and they have a good chance so these are the company countries which are there we have a very good chance to do it absolutely and these would be you know the ones that have already kind of developed mm -hmm. and still um, at uh, you know so so they they are all the pluses in lineup so we've got countries like south korea mm -hmm. mexico uh, Turkey and also Indonesia with its large population. So I'd say this would be the first group and the primary focus. Mm. Uh, because there is already development happened, they've shown the signs. Korea definitely it has been pretty up there, Mexico sitting next to US and Indonesia. So what you're suggesting one group, if it is they have a good chance of doing it, then rest we can bucket into a second group and third. Second could be can go which way, <laughs> if managed well going one way, the last one is a lot of way to go. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and maybe, you know, the second, if we, you know, kind of adopt that, mm -hmm. it could go either way. Right. Uh, but but still, you know, positive would be countries like Pakistan, uh, Philippines, and Vietnam, for example. Uh, Vietnam, though, has really shown signs of emergence. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, you know, just the population is not yet at that level mm -hmm. and development as the first group. Mm -hmm. uh, but that would be the second. And probably those to watch, and you know, a lot of it has to do with the political stability mm -hmm. and also some economic. So would be, I'd say, Iran, Egypt, um, Nigeria. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, great in terms of oil reserves, 
but you know, still a lot of uh, political uh, issues going on and internal issues. The governance, uh, corruption, governance, all corruption, all those, kind of issues, all those yeah. things. And finally, Bangladesh, mm. uh, again, Poor because country. of its low yeah. level of uh, mm. development in general. Um, so yeah, that would probably be a one you know categorization that we could look at, got it, or got business it. investors could consider. Correct. If you can look at you know a few of those bullets about the countries, I know that I love in. How does it look like? If we started with the first group, which are almost there, uh, Indonesia, Mexico, Turkey, and Korea, what do you think? How if we started with Turkey? Sure. So Turkey, you know, as mentioned, it's uh, its biggest. I'd say plus is. Uh, you know, and its proximity uh, and the bridge between Europe and Asia. Yeah. And you know, so it's right there. Uh, imports have increased more over the past years. Public debt is still at low levels. It's had one of the most stable governments in the mm. last hundred years and continuous GDP growth. Uh, Turkey, not surprisingly, received the largest amount of uh, foreign direct investment of all of these N11 countries. Mm. Uh, so that's that's really uh, export and re-export. Uh, so that's that's Turkey, I'll say. Correct. Right. It gets a huge benefit by being member of NATO, as well as knocking at the doors of European Union. <laughs> Absolutely. So you know, uh, really well positioned. Yeah. Um, uh, moving to Indonesia, you know, it's uh, the biggest plus again, large population, the world's most fourth most populated nation, uh, the planet's largest archipelago. Uh, you know, they've had direct presidential elections, uh, made a lot of changes in the regulatory framework to encourage economic growth. Uh, Jakarta by itself is one of the largest cities in the world, uh, 26 million population, second largest, I think after what, Mexico City, probably, mm -hmm. uh, or, and, or Tokyo as well. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I'd say it's after strange. Tokyo, actually, yeah, not after, Mexico, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, you know, and edged out India as the second fastest G20 major economy just behind China. Well, in that's, that's true. At least they've achieved it one time, which is an achievement. Yeah, so like the other the, eye in the... <laughs> yeah, you can do it if you've once done it. There is an opportunity for that rate of growth. You're yeah. proven it. And, you know, anyone who's been to Jakarta recently would have seen uh, phenomenal growth uh, mm -hmm. in, in, in the country. Uh, then again, you know, so I think these are more similar, mm -hmm. you know, as we talk uh, South uh, Turkey, Indonesia, the Mexico. Uh, again, one of the highest GDPs amongst the N11, uh, low inflation, strong labor force, low unemployment, again, next to the US, part of NAFTA. Big advantage, yeah. Huge advantage. Mm -hmm. We cannot, uh, oh, let's say, overemphasize how, how important that is for the country. Mm -hmm. uh, and they also have a lot of free trade agreements, uh, more than 40, uh, with countries even in the EU. Mm. Uh, so great place to invest uh, and we, uh, you know, we export, for mm. example, out of Mexico. Uh, uh, finally, I'd say South Korea in that list, as we already talked about, um, uh, great country in terms of regulations uh, and labor, mm. education, one of the most innovative countries in the world, consistently ranked amongst the top for innovation. Uh, high quality products in several industries, electronics, textiles, ships, automobiles, steel, uh, you know, Samsung, one of its flagship companies mm. uh, claims uh, it's very diversified from uh, ships, uh, chips to ships. Chips that's to Samsung's. ships, yeah, that's great. Right? Uh, so, you know, it's really amazing. It has no natural resources, overpopulation, but the miracle on the Han River continues. Yeah. Uh, also, in terms of ease of doing business, it's always ranked high up on the World Bank's ease of doing business, 30 out of 178 countries, uh, great tax regulations, investment, heavily influenced by the US model, uh, 
and uh, you know good good rule of law and institutions. Correct, correct. So these are the countries who have a very good chance of making it to that level of economic growth where it's expected out of N11. Now, uh, Dr. Sally, on the second bucket, uh, we had um, oh, the countries which, with the proper governance and rule of law and, and, and a committed leadership, can make it or lack of it can take them backwards. We will continue that after the break. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. your company's marketing plan. Could it use a little help? For most businesses, the answer is yes. Tune in each week to Marketing That Won't Break the Bank. Host Janet Kunst and her guests will show you how and where to bring your marketing to the next level. Each show will feature action strategies that you can implement right away and see results. We'll make this easy for you. Start by tuning in every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Yoshi. Uh, I have with me Dr. Sally. Today we are talking about the N11 countries. Are they the real growth markets for the future? Will they replace the BRICS? Uh, we had very good discussions in the first two segments. Uh, we were talking about, at the end of the uh, second segment, how these countries in N11 can be grouped. Uh, we are at the second group now discussing, uh, and the second group is probably the type of countries who can either make it big if the, the rule of law, governance, political commitment, uh, and, uh, uh, and the support 
from geopolitical point of view is granted to them. Probably they will have to acquire it by putting the right foreign policies also in place and becoming part of uh, the global trade. And the second bucket has Pakistan, Philippines, and Vietnam. We have, and these are mostly export countries. You can say Philippines is now becoming the, uh, after India, it's becoming call center of the world. So, so that's one. And then it's also becoming a back office because they are providing it uh, even at a cheaper price than a country like India. And Vietnam uh, is becoming an exporter uh, with a lot of products moving even away from China and being built in Vietnam at a reasonable price. Same as with the Pakistan, it has a good opportunity to grow. So basically, they all have potential of becoming important export markets, whether it's products or services combined for these three countries. Now, again, uh, we can look at it if we participate in it today, that would you get result tomorrow? No, it may be a little bit long term. Uh, it may be 10 to 15 years when you can see the return in these countries, provided all, all the environmental factors which affect the economy go correct. And let's look at the third bucket. Now, these are very attractive markets, but there are some issues there. So let's address them one by one. So let's say what's happening in Egypt. Egypt has got high public debt and uh, continuously evolving uncertain uh, political situation. So they, they are, because of that, has, have become volatile. Otherwise, they have potential. They had good export markets earlier. If you look at Iran, uh, with the sanctions and everything happening there, the GDP went down, inflation went up. And uh, the other factor, which can be a huge positive, but can also impact you negatively, that the economy is mainly based on oil, because they have a lot of good uh, natural resources. The other issue they face is, they are ranked pretty low in the ease of doing business. They're pretty tough. They will have to fix it, 135. That, that's not the position you want to be. And this is nothing else but reflection of the, the state-owned business environment, which is authoritarian. And because of which the foreign investors are a little bit scared to go in. And no wonder, Iran received the least amount of foreign direct investment. And, and it, is, it clearly says the investors find it very unfriendly to do business there. And one of the main reasons we can't forget is the sanction by US and supported by many other countries. So uh, uh, business environment is a major contributing factor for potential growth because uh, if investors, if they're not given the right business environment, they will execute their option of choosing something else because they have a choice. You have more than 190 countries now to look at where to invest. Let's look at Nigeria, what's happening there. So in Nigeria, uh, it's a very high unemployment rate. And also, with, I don't know whether it is, it is another major factor, but it is at least a factor worth noticing that there is high involvement of China as an export partner. Uh, it, it pulls in some amount of uncertainty there. They are very, very dependent on oil and natural resources, and they had issues with governance and regulation. Bangladesh, uh, it has potential, but not as high as other countries, bases their current situation in the poverty levels. Having said that, if the right environment is provided there with the governance, 
and, and, and participation by foreign investors, if there is a commitment for leadership there, they can turn uh, the, the poor population into a good middle class, which can further trigger investment into uh, white goods, into infrastructure, that could write a new growth story. But the, the countries in the last segment which you talked about, uh, they, they have a long way to go before they could make the list of growing to a satisfactory level. Now, on the growth when you're talking about, Dr. Sally, what, how do you see the growth prospects of Next 11? Right, thank you, uh, Mahesh. I think as we have kind of uh, talked today, and also judging by the investment uh, funds that have been started by companies such as Goldman, mm -hmm. uh, even for this Next 11, uh, all of them, you know, we would say uh, are expected to achieve pretty significant economic growth in, in this century. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, rates, uh, growth rates have risen across the, this group, mm -hmm. even despite, as we mentioned, the financial crisis. Uh, the dispersion is still relatively low, suggesting economic performance, you know, has overall been fairly stable. Uh, one, I think, uh, caution out there is the exchange rate generally has favored the U.S. dollar, uh, you know, True. with respect to some of these countries. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and they have struggled because of the repayment of dollar denominated loans. Uh, but then again, we have countries such as, you know, uh, Mexico, which have remained pretty uh, robust. Um, so growth rates, again, compared to the G7, mm -hmm. if you look at stable, well-developed countries, have been uh, definitely higher. Uh, and uh, Goldman, again, even as way back as 2005, estimated the N11 could reach two-thirds of the size of the G7 by 2050. So basically, they're assuming the, the, rather they're thinking that if their assumptions go right, there is a good growth story coming in here. Right, and regardless, even if we don't meet, you know, all of those assumptions, which we right. never do, yeah. uh, the bottom line is, you know, there is growth to be expected. Uh, the, the key points, I think, or the good points about an index or from a financial investment or, uh, you know, perspective is that I'd say the N11 has a lot of diversity built in. Uh, we can look at geographic diversity spanning across Asia, uh, you know, Europe, Latin America, Africa, the Middle East. So it's definitely a diverse and, uh, and geographically. That, yeah, and that's that's a good point because if one geography is down, other is not. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not necessarily all of them are going together. It's, it's going to be hard, positive. right, to do yeah. that. Uh, and then again, uh, different levels of development, mm -hmm. which, you know, uh, contributes to different growth rates, for example, from all the way from the developed South Korea, to some of the poorer countries such as Bangladesh right now. Uh, so obviously there's a lot more scope for development sometimes in the poorer countries uh, in terms of growth rates because the starting point is lower. Uh, so that's another good uh, diversity measure. Uh, and finally, you know, we have countries that have more political risk uh, and others that are much more stable. Uh, so that again, uh, I think helps to diversify away some of the risk there. Uh, to sum it up, positives. All of these countries have large and growing populations. Mm -hmm. uh, population growth was highest in Pakistan at 110%, uh, lowest in South Korea 28% from 1980 to 2008. So, yeah. You know, those still are very high growth rates yeah, when we compare and contrast with countries like Japan, for mm -hmm. example, that has a shrinking population and aging population. 
Uh, I agree with you because if you see the, it, although you said both are large numbers, but see the growth rate. The phenomenal. 110.8% right. is the highest in Pakistan and South Korea lowest 28. Huge, huge. Right. And then these are the countries that already have pretty significant populations. You know, right. you look at Indonesia as the fourth largest, you know, uh, 228 million people. And South Korea, the smallest in our group, it still has about, you know, 47.6 million. So that's the population of France almost. Right. And the kind of growth rate they're predicting, that means there'll be a lot of younger population coming in into the play there. Great point. And, the, yeah. you know, the younger population will be the ones that are working. They were the ones that would be earning, yeah. uh, fueling all the consumption-led growth that we talked about. Uh, so that's a big plus. Uh, you know, as an example, Mexico, you know, had the highest sum of private consumption almost uh, half a trillion dollars US. Uh, Vietnam on our list has about 40 billion US. Uh, That's pretty important because the, the, the consumption itself fuels the economy and if the population is growing and if and these numbers, if they're doing well, these numbers will dramatically increase. And as the urbanization happens, as uh, the people come above the poverty line, all of these can take off at a pretty high speed. Right, and this is the kind of demographic that businesses are looking to, you know, target. Uh, because as we mentioned, you have saturated markets and yeah. consumers um, in, in many countries, especially the developed countries. Here you have countries that are just starting or in the, over the next 10 years, mm -hmm. you know, will be growing. And that's the perfect opportunity for businesses to enter and, uh, and uh, you know, build, build brands with these uh, countries. As, right. as they evolve. I think that's why that's why uh, they, this this study or the N11 are of huge importance to the multinational companies and especially the multinational companies which have their large presence in developed markets because this gives them a huge opportunity in into the fast growing markets and also where the urbanization is taking place uh, people are moving from one category of poverty to middle class to high income growth so that will open the higher growth rate for their businesses because if you look at it developed countries their businesses they will not go at that fast rate unless they are replacing some existing products in the market with innovative new products unless you're an apple you're replacing a phone every year uh, so you can still keep growing and increase the price for that. <laughs> right, and technology will certainly play a big part, you yeah. know, as you mentioned in the developed markets, you know, with obsolescence in some some industries uh, and replacement and growth in others. Uh, but regardless, you know, these are countries, again, uh, that, that, that have these phenomenal growth rates and large populations. Correct. So what we will do, uh, Dr. Sally, we'll take a quick short break now and we'll continue our discussion. the boardroom to you voice america business network
If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We are in discussion today with Dr. Sally on uh, the Enelon markets. Will they be able to replace BRICS as the next growth markets or will it be Tim's Mint, which you discussed last time? We'll be discussing in future about frontier markets. But on N11, we discussed about the similarities, what values they bring in, what are the risk profiles there. And then we were discussing about what are the growth prospects of the next 11. I know Dr. Sally, I interrupted you for a break when we were talking about, uh, can you continue on talking about the positives there? Sure. Uh, yeah, we were talking about, I think, economic growth and sort of maybe picking winners and losers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's always very difficult, I think, uh, and Mahesh will point out later that even in terms of the index fund, uh, you know, we need a longer term perspective. Uh, but. Uh, I'd say the countries that are the most stable uh, politically, whether it's a democracy or even uh, you know a, a different form such as authoritarian rule, or you know one-party rule or a dictatorship, will probably have better prospects for consistent growth because investors really are looking at uh, stability and continuation or continuity of policies and regulations. Uh, so these would include countries such as, I'd say, South Korea, mm -hmm. uh, Vietnam, uh, Mexico, um, uh, amongst others. All of these countries, as we said, the growth rates, again, to emphasize in terms of population, we're not talking income right now, but growth rates, just population, have been well above those of any of the Western uh, or even the East Asian developed economies. Um, so that indicates greater consumer potential over the medium to longer term. Uh, large populations, wide pool of consumers for businesses to target, and high growth rates means that these will expand rapidly, providing even more potential customers. Um, sustained economic growth is creating new consumer markets that can be targeted by businesses, but as we mentioned, there are differences in the levels of growth, so some of the countries especially the higher growth countries, 
and the ones at further stages of development will just prove more profitable uh, for certain businesses. Uh, uh, finally, I'd say relying on the past to expand into other developed markets may not be sufficient. Uh, these countries have pretty unique um, internal and external environments mm -hmm. that businesses will face. Uh, it's a topic for another day, but I'd say the emerging market entry strategy and business models for these countries uh, really would need to probably be different in some shape or form than the ones that multinationals, for example, have been used to either in developed markets or even in the recently emerged BRICS, let's say. Um, and these need to link directly to the long-term corporate strategy uh, and be quite specific and customized uh, for the various countries because there are so many differences across them. Um, so I, I would say that would you know sum up uh, you know which countries definitely high growth prospects but needs a lot of um, customization uh, to be successful. And there will be some winners and losers even within this large overall growth story of the N11. Perfect. You know, you can you can see when, when countries like N11 come up, there may be a situation like what happened when BRICS came up. So there was a roller coaster ride. So when the BRICS were announced and, and the investment fund was created, it was not that BRICS were always doing well. Yes, China was booming. Uh, Brazil had its own share of problems. If, if you look at it, uh, when they had this big issue and crackdown and corruption and the, and, and, and the dependence on oil and gas, but the Petrobras, uh, they had a slowdown there and to currency. fix things. Currency problems, they, they went through a lot. So they, they are in the same boat as any of the N11 countries which rely heavily on the natural resources. Now we have Iran here. Similarly, we had another situation of sanctions, which was against right. Russia. So then it was BRICS. And Russia was booming, it was going very well till the time oil was going to 100, 142 or something. And suddenly the oil price went down as well as Russia faced the sanctions. So still BRICS did well. Uh, and uh, it, despite doing for many years well, they also started seeing the decline, especially from the investment community. People started drawing from the fund. That's why the BRIC fund was closed. And, and Russia with such a good uh, natural resource pool, uh, they could not move as far as, as China, which lacks resources out of the BRICS, which could be any of the N11 countries who don't have natural resources. So they kept focused on low cost manufacturing and became the manufacturing factory of the world. With the low labor cost, the pool of people available, put so many people out of poverty, and they did all the good things you can do there. And similarly, India focused on their uh, knowledge industry. Their business process outsourcing, call centers, became into high end of knowledge industry. Now, if you see, what's the impact which some of the end 11 countries can pick up? Like Philippines is becoming the next center after India. So they're even cheaper than India. So there is a growth profile as the labor cost goes up, they can use that to leverage the growth in that country. Similarly, Vietnam in manufacturing, even Bangladesh for that matter, textile, shoes, the basic necessities, the knickknacks which everybody uses, uh, they are able to produce 
in a competitive fashion with countries like China, with their very low labor costs, and in the China, the labor costs going up. So these are all the positives which you see in terms of an opportunity. The key here is the opportunity may exist, but how do you leverage it? The most important part here would be how do you leverage it? Some of these uh, volatilities of these markets are also reflected in the Goldman Sachs and 11 equity fund. If you look at the Goldman Sachs and 11 equity fund, whose inception date was uh, the last day of February in 2011. Now, it started with not as much return. The first year probably was a very good return. It was in double digits, then started declining. And it was a negative return in 2013, negative return in 14, 15, 16, but in 17, suddenly it went up, double digit, very, very good return. Now, the same thing if can be looked at uh, in three months period, what was the total return on the net asset value of GSN 11 equity fund? Now, let me share with you these numbers which show the equal volatility as, I, uh, as you saw in the numbers by the year. So three months return is almost 8%, 8 to 9, and uh, in, in one year, it came to 28%. That's only last year. Huge, huge return. On three year, it is only 1.58. But if you go five years, it's negative. It's negative. 0.12 or something with a little number, but but it's negative, slightly below zero. But if you see since inception, which was the last day of February in 2011, the number is only 1.61. So in seven years almost, you get a return of 1.61. Looks very low, but somebody which have gone a year ago, if you see one year return is 28%. Now that is volatility. And that's what has been projected all along in the data points about the N11. A lot of things have to work correctly. Uh, but having said that, the basic opportunity to fix it, the basic opportunity to the leaders of those countries, to the business leaders, political leaders, is available. That they could be next in the line to grow on, if not of the same scale as Brazil, Russia, India, China did, on the same lines, there's an opportunity for N11 to work together or work in a geopolitical system with commitment of leadership, regulation, governance, and, and putting the right things in place to grow. So you can say they are next in line, but it is up to them how far they want to go with the growth and what kind of commitment they bring on the table. So Nikhil, uh, uh, Dr. Nikhil Sal, if you have any closing remarks, uh, we are almost at the end of our program. Well, thank you. Enjoyed our discussions. Uh, thank you. Thank you.